Hi, my name's Joe Houghton, and this is the Plus One Podcast. And today I've got Alan Morgan with us. Um, Alan is an educator with a background in business. And I first ran into Alan, um, and he's the program lead on the Diploma in Creativity and Innovation for Education at the UCD Innovation Academy. Um, and I think we first ran into each other, was it la middle of last year, I think, wasn't it? 2020. Um, and that journey has led me to create this podcast as part of my fellowship with the Innovation Academy. I thought I was busy, but Alan just never stops. He, following a multinational career in industry, um, he now runs programs for the Innovation Academy. He's partway through a doctorate in education um, in is it Swansea in Wales. Yep. Um, he has a professional network, which is just one of the most diverse that I've ever come across. I'm, I'm very envious of the, the network that Alan has, has seems to have, in, in certainly in the education space. And he still manages to fit in sport and cycling and, and goodness knows what else. You describe yourself, Alan, in that pre-interview questionnaire as open and entrepreneurial. So that sounds like a good place to start today, I think. Um, does your commercial experience play to that entrepreneurial side or is this something that you've come to more in the education space? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here and uh, really great to be involved in, in this project you're doing, which is just uh, really think it's groundbreaking. And thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I never saw myself as entrepreneurial before on, until I, I suppose, fully realized in hindsight, looking back on what I did, particularly when I started off my father's business many, many moons ago. Mm -hmm. And I suppose like anyone who's involved in a family business, my father ran a very small wholesale distribution operation and um you know, supplying all the corner shops in Ireland with 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 uh, toys and stationery and all the bits and bobs that you'd find uh, in a corner shop in those days, you know. And from a very early age, and I mean like a very early age, eight nine years of age, I was sweeping the warehouse floor and, you know, eventually moving up to packing the van and you know packing customers' vans and then you know uh, taking customers' orders and then as I was able to drive delivering those orders, and. Um, you know, my dad was quite entrepreneurial and um, he very entrepreneurial, you know, and, you, you know, you you only kind of like you don't realize these things when you're in it. You know, you just do it like and that's it. It's part of the gig, you know. And then when I went off to do my own thing, left my dad's business kind of when I was about 22 or 23 and I went, moved over to um, a position on uh, as a sales representative on the road. And, you know, something was the hardest job I've ever done. And it it, it, it really made you be entrepreneurial uh, in your thinking and in your approach to how you uh, approach your day, notwithstanding your um, your customers and so on. Um, you know, and, and that led me then to, to, to move. I was three years in that role and led me to a role in, in Germany then working for the same company. Uh, they had a network of companies across the world, one of which was in Dublin and one of which was in Europe, in Nuremberg in Germany. And when I went to, to, to Germany, I stayed there for three years. Uh, you know, I, I realized that actually what I'm doing is really, you know, at the time it was groundbreaking because, you know, a lot, not a lot of people in my age were doing that kind of thing. They were, yeah, they were moving around and so on, but actually to move into a, a new country, a new language uh, and to, to, you know, to a greater extent, a new life, I had to find my own apartment. I had to find, uh, go and buy my own food. I had to go and buy cutlery, knives and forks. Is that entrepreneurial? You know, I, I think it is, you know, and I think that that, that concept of, uh, of how you approach life. And I always say, looking back to my time in Germany, my time in Germany, I think equates as almost one of the most important three years of my life because I left Ireland and I could barely boil an egg and I, I came back to Ireland with, uh, you know, with a whole load of skills that I would have never, ever gained uh, in, in that time, you know. Mm. So, wow. Yeah. So I think, you know, and I think it's really interesting to understand the difference between entrepreneurial and intrapreneurial uh, concepts, you know. And I think that's a lot of things, times people don't, um, don't, don't equate that, you know. So when I w moved into... Um, you know, uh, came back to Ireland from Germany in 1993 and I moved into a, you know, fairly large wholesale distribution company and became 
sales and purchasing director, you know, because I've, I, as you well know, Joe, titles mean nothing. It's, you know, you work harder with th- those titles. So, um, but that concept of in, concept of entrepreneurialism, um, you know, being entrepreneurial within a corporate environment, yes. uh, I think is something, and it's something I've researched a lot and, um, there's some good writing on it as well, and and the the impact of entrepreneurialism, I think, is is uh, is probably not widely uh, sp- spoken about. So uh, for those people that are listening to this, that are thinking, well, what is the difference, um, or what do each of those actually mean? Just just give us a quick definition for each. Yeah, of great. Yeah, good question, Joe. So, I mean, in in, in this in in the greater sense of in the greater broader scheme of things people talk about the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur is kind of that uh, um that person who who uh has an idea you know and and you know goes off runs that idea has you know like is able to um deal with risk and is not afraid of failure probably fails umpteen times uh probably loses money umpteen times and eventually they will uh, hit upon something and uh, they will, you know, be it a product or a service, you know. Entrepreneurialism is the exact same thing within the, the boundaries of the organization you work for. Okay. So, so uh, you know, everyone, you know, when I speak a lot about entrepreneurial thinking in particular, and I might come back to that in a minute, is, like, you know, people talk about, you know, oh, yeah, I know Richard Branson or Bill Gates, the, those kind of big entrepreneurs and so on and so forth. But, uh, and that's grand, you know, and that's all, all okay, and there's some good learnings from that. But I think what's what's really important is, you know, that there's there's entrepreneurs within organizations that, that never get rec- recognition. And when I say organizations, I mean government organizations. I mean, um, you know, look at look at a lot of the departments in the Irish governments in the last couple of years. They've developed this whole concept of, you know, um, innovation within their departments. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's normally championed by, you know, uh, an entrepreneurial type person within the organization, within that department. So I think that's really interesting to, to, um, to, 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 in the first instance, acknowledge that. And in the second instance, I think maybe learn from it and see how we can take it, you know? So, so is an entrepreneur then somebody who combines kind of like a vision of something that could be different to the stuff that's out there now with the drive and the get go to actually make a change? Because that, to me, seems to be one of the things I see in entrepreneurialism, that you don't sit and just talk about it, you do it. There's the kind of just do it thing, isn't there? Yeah, there is that just do a concept. And um, I was very fortunate enough years, many, many years ago, to actually, to actually meet Richard Branson. And uh, yeah, it was great. And it, it was, um, I, I, I was on the first flight uh, from um, London to Hong Kong. Uh, with the Virgin Virgin Atlantic, was it called? Or Virgin, whatever it's called, Virgin Airways. And he and hasn't invited you on his next flight. Into- no, no, into Mars. Yeah, and I, I, you know, he, I, we met him in, in Hong Kong airport. And, uh, and um, you know, he's, uh, I suppose, like all the really great entrepreneurs, he's, he is such a, a low-key figure, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, his thinking is very simplistic. And I think if you look at, you know, some of the great business people, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, female and male across the world, you, you see like, you know, I, I think of Jack Welch, the CEO of, of um, GE for many years. Yeah. I think it was him who had coined the phrase, simplicity is the nature of success. And um, I think that the, the simpler you can get is, is because uh, we, we, you know, business people, like to make things complex you know uh i was i was speaking with someone there recently about academic writing and it was i won't mention who it was but uh, you know very very senior academic in uh, in swansea where you mentioned Wales, university of wales trinity st david and she said to me you know you know a- a- academic writing is actually a load of nonsense you know academic writing is about academics trying to put themselves on a pedestal mm. i'm trying to say that i'm better than everyone else and she said to me you know good writing is about clarity, yes. succinctness, and uh, critical thinking, and you know, being able to argue your point across, and and that's that's what it is, and it's it's kind of all boxed up in this kind of you know, uh, um, um, you know, 
complex um, uh, way that we that is made not that we we they, they don't want us to understand it because no. they want to be above everyone else. No. And I think good good really good entrepreneurs and really good uh, let's bring it down to entrepreneurial thinking, Joe. Maybe yeah. good entrepreneurial thinkers hmm. bring themselves into people. Uh, bring themselves into, um, and, and that goes for leadership as well, which I'll come back to in a minute. But if you think about entrepreneurial thinking, a lot of people ask me, so what is entrepreneurial thinking? I don't know what it is, you know. Uh, and, you know, and a lot of the, the um, a lot of the research behind, you know, entrepreneurial thinking, particularly in education, is around, you know, taking concepts of, you know, from entrepreneurship education and bringing them into. But also entrepreneurial thinking is about, it's about harnessing um, opportunities, but in the first instance, it's harnessing passion. It's about harnessing a passion. You have a passion for what you do, Joe. Everything you do, you you do it with 150%. I think that's why we get on so well. We're kind of kindred spirits in that regard. And, um, you know, it's about harnessing skills. It's about harnessing experience. It's about harnessing knowledge and insights, and insights from an empathetic perspective. It's about resources and networks, and all that thing. So all those things put together give give um, give entrepreneurial thinking the concept to take opportunities uh, at the right time at the right place. But entrepreneurial thinking is also the ability uh, to see things differently. And to um, to to see things differently than maybe the rest of the people do, and to take that entrepreneurial thinking, and uh, and and look at a product, look at a service, look at education, mm. and try to reimagine it in a different way. Uh, again, another interesting concept about entrepreneurial thinking. I hope I'm, stop me if you want to, if you want to interrupt me now, but is um, you know people like there's a classic argument around are entrepreneurs born or can they be made right mm -hmm. so and um, we won't get into that debate because if we're here all day but but entrepreneurial thinking actually can be taught it can be taught and it can be developed yes. uh, through through yeah as you know through understanding of you know certain concepts of you know value creation uh, uh, intentional iteration and engaging with others creating that network of um of people as well and it's 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 more like a state of mind joe i think it's a state of mind that opens your eyes to new ways of learning and once you have once you're open to new ways of learning you automatically move into new opportunities so yeah. i think that that's you know, kind of kind of sums it up you know and and having been through the the diploma myself i mean one of the things that all the facilitators and program leaders seem to be you know they they always keep coming back to design thinking and that this framework which which seems to be made for this i don't i don't know whether it was made for it but it seems to be it, it seems to dovetail into all the things you just talked about so beautifully yeah i think you're right i think design thinking is a really i mean it's it's a it's for me it's a it's a groundbreaking concept from the first day I, I, for me, I mean, groundbreaking for me because it kind of brought me into this world to a certain extent, you know, and I stumbled across design thinking um, many moons ago, uh, in, um, you know, uh, in the Innovation Academy in 2015, uh, when I when I went through the program myself um, before I worked here. And, um, but I, at, th at that time, I just thought it was another kind of a, a yeah, you know, just a kind of a fad, but then when I, I was a marketing lecturer in Dublin Business School at the time, and I went back to DBS and I kind of said, you know, this could be something, you know. And and henceforth, we we um, we did a good number of design sprints. But I think, you know, you're right. Design thinking is, uh, it, I, I think it's difficult. It's a difficult process. But but once you, you open it up to, uh, again, it's like once you open your mind, the, the possibilities are endless. And design thinking forces you outside your comfort zone and forces you to open your mind it encourages you to, to speak to other people it's a customer-centric uh, concept yes. and and would you do those three things it, it, whoa it's back in action you know so let's bring entrepreneurial thinking and design thinking and that process to education because that's what the podcast is kind of about is about innovative education so here's a challenging question for you okay so the, the, the first part of the question is, what does it mean to be a creative educational leader? And the kicker is, doesn't all this creative education just mean kind of you're playing about 
and it's not really applicable to real curriculums and study programs and getting through the material and, and that kind of stuff. You know, is, is this not just not an excuse to have three weeks off and, and, and have fun playing with cardboard and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's very easy to see it that way. And I think one of the problems we have as educators, Joe, and I, I say we, uh, <laughs> because because you and I came up, came up to traditional roots, you know, we came up through school, to, probably into college, and now, we're, you know, and we came up that kind of traditional uh, uh, way, you know. Um, and I, I, I will answer your question, I'll come to it in a minute, but I, I just coincidentally was looking at a podcast this morning from um, Sir Ken Robinson, God rest him now, He's, he died unfortunately, as you know, but, you know, and it was, um, it, it was a pod, uh, it was a, a conference he was recorded at in, December 2018, he was speaking about his book at the time, Finding My Element, which, as you know, was the second book he wrote after The Element, you know. Yeah. He he gave he, he gave a, a, an example of this lady who was a concert pianist, and she, um, you know, she, she was great at what she did, but uh, she actually was then his book editor for five years. And he, he asked her one day, he said, well, I forget her name, he said, uh, why did you, you know, how long have you been in book editing, you know, only five years, I used to be a concert pianist, blah, blah, blah. And he said, she said, I never liked what I did. Right. And, you know, he talked about this concept of finding your element. Like when you find your element, mm. you actually will never work again because you love what you do. And to a certain extent, I, I would say that's where I am now. I, I absolutely love what I do. Not in it for the money, as you know, Joe, and education. We're not going to be buying, buying Ferraris or or, or or that kind of thing. But so so I think when you actually love what you do, you believe in it. You have a passion for it. And more importantly, or maybe most importantly, the people you're engaging with, maybe you're facilitating class for, will actually believe you as well. So is cre creativity and playing with cardboard and, 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 and all that kind of stuff, you know, is it just an excuse to have a bit of fun? Um, I don't think so. If you go back to the earliest days of, of uh, teaching, I mentioned in the questionnaire you sent me about um, uh, Maria Montessori, you know, in 1897. She yeah, influences in education. Yeah, yeah. she created uh, Montessori teaching, you know. Uh, and as you know, I'd be a, you know, I'd be a big critic, you know, I'd be, a, I'd be you know, a critique, Sometimes the fact that we, you know, we, we still, we're still doing in, in the classroom what we did 100 years ago, but we're still doing Montessori teaching, which was over 100 years old, because it works, because we bring children through uh, hands-on learning, collaborative play, and, and, and creativity. If, if you, uh, and, and here's, here, here's, here's the crux of your question, if we can embed more concepts of creativity, more concepts of understanding uh, um, innovative teaching techniques in primary school education, I would say even pre-primary uh, uh, in a more structured way, because Montessori, you know, and the unfortunate thing about it is, you know, a lot of parents who have children in Montessori schools call them a creche. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a creche. Mm. It's Montessori teaching. Uh, and um, so I don't think so, Joe. But 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 I think your question is really valid because I think it's it's it requires a mindset change, and that's the difficulty. It's not about whether it's right or wrong. It's 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 it is it's the difficulty, you know. From what you just said, because it was interesting. You said you said children, but my experience of your teaching and the teaching of the Innovation Academy isn't kids. It's adults, and you're doing this with adults. You're not just doing it with kids. So yeah, yeah, as well, because 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 there's obviously benefits, you know, no matter whether you're seven or forty-seven or fifty-seven. Yeah, yeah, no, huge. You're spot on. And the example I'm going to give you now is exactly what you're talking about. I, I had a a, um, a meeting this morning uh, with um, a lady who will, in fairness, remain nameless, but she she's just taken part in the the three week. Uh, professional certificate in uh, creativity and innovation in education with me and my colleagues at the Innovation Academy. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in, indeed, Joe was on the program with us this June, helping us out, which is great. But um, this, let's call her Mary for argument's sake. So, you know, uh, Mary is um, a professor in UCD, uh, leads uh, an incredibly large program, mm -hmm. and she took 
the course. She sorry, she joined the program with a lot of trepidation. Not sure what's this crack about playing with cardboard boxes and marshmallows and spaghetti and Lego ducks. Wasn't sure about it. So um, you, you know, we had a conversation this morning, po- obviously post program. And you know, uh, you know, she was just overwhelmingly um, uh, so she was o- o- overwhelmed by the by the program. But but she said to me, she said the problem is we have expectations as educators in particular. We have expectations, yes. and we we think those expectations are based on our education, what we've gone through, and now. And she 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 uh, she talked about this concept of stepping over the threshold which mm-hmm. as you know joe we talk about that in, in the program you know we, we talk about actually you need to get over that threshold and then you think in a different way so you know this this girl mary joe i mean she she she, she talked about going over this this threshold and you know and you know what's interesting about her is she is currently a leader in education okay in, yeah. in her field and but what what she she said she didn't realize was that she 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 didn't understand being a creative leader. She didn't understand actually what that meant, and how to lead creatively from, from um, you, you know, from both a maybe a pedagogical perspective and also a people perspective. You know, yes, particularly when you're coming across maybe different cultures as well, which which could be an issue. Um, I I think sorry, go ahead. People thing seems to be so critical, doesn't it? I mean, I think for me that was probably one of the strengths of the whole experience that I went through on the diploma and now I'm doing the podcast and you know widening the net if it were it's all about incredible people isn't it it, it, it is and you, you know the, the more incredible people are, you know you know like so you know you and I know like a lot of great educators a lot of great people working in in the in our industry and and so on and so forth you know but you you don't really associate the term leader with them you know, mm. but when you when you sit down and 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 you talk to them, I'm thinking about people like Deirdre, Dr. Deirdre McGillicuddy, and you know, uh, maybe even you know David Price in the UK, and people that Joe and I would have worked with in the past. You, 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 then you understand, it's you know, it's not about traditional leadership as we probably have come to know it, like that kind of typical Peter Drucker type management style or leadership style person, you know, although I do enjoy Drucker's work, you know, but you know, there's, um, there's a concept in leadership that I love, you know, and I, I, I've written it down actually in preparation for this. And um, it's the, the whole concept about leaders. Le- leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of people in your charge. Yes. I think yeah, Simon Sinek put something. So yeah. I th- I think yeah. it is Simon Sinek, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's about, um, you know, I think creative leadership is about challenging the status quo. It's about believing in the way we actually can think differently. Um, and uh, Gary Ridge, the CEO of um, WD40, talks oh. about this. Yes. He's a super guy. Uh, and he talks about uh, the, the mindset for leadership. And he has four concepts around collaboration, inclusivity, uh, being purpose-driven, and always being in a learning mode. So mm. if, if I took those four concepts, I, I think it, it, it probably represents a lot of what we believe in as educators. You know what I mean? But we're not necessarily leaders, but I think we are, you know, in our own way, creative and innovative leaders in how we direct and m- m- maybe, you know, lead uh, the, the courses we, we deliver and so on. So, you know, and... and um, there's a guy I just can't remember his name. Um, he's the he's the CEO of Circle K. You know the the Circle K organization, the the yeah. the, the, the garages and and uh, forecourts retailing and so on. He talks about this uh, whole area of you know leadership and le- his leadership style is the reason why Circle K is where it is today. Yeah, so, I think I, I think look at I think we could be all day talking about leadership here, but I think it's important to understand what creative and innovative leadership is. It's not about necessarily being in charge. It's about something different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved it's Robert Greenleaf, isn't it? Mid seventies kind of the servant leadership model. Um and I, I love that model of, of leadership. And I mean I use that when I was in industry. Um and still try and use that today. Because I think if you look after your people, they look after you. Yeah. 
hundred percent. And it, it's 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 that emotional intelligence. It's about that emotional understanding, empathy. How to how to hear people. I think is really important, and how to um, how to to listen. And again, Gary Ridge talks about emotional intelligence. But we all say, oh yeah, emotional intelligence, great, 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 Daniel Goldman. But it's it's all about knowing how to have emotional intelligence and uh, that's the difficulty i think you know and using and using a tool like design thinking which builds it in i mean the dna of you know design thinking is that empathy mapping stage isn't it it's, it's actually you got to listen you got to go out and listen and talk to people and find out what they think and and absorb that which will be almost every time yeah to what you think <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely absolutely and, and it's it's hard because we're not used to that because we're all used to uh this concept of what you know well, well oh yeah well i think this is what we should do well, we're not asking you what you should do you know and i think traditional i mean i come from a marketing background and you know traditional marketing uh research you know is very inwardly focused it's very it's full of bias you know uh i think you know design thinking has broke has broken that mold uh, entirely so you I didn't know it at the time, but when when I came on the diploma in education, you told me later that was your first morning teaching that program, and we, and I, we gave you a, such a hard time. So I, I still feel guilty about that. But <laughs> so you've you know two years on, and you've run a number of these programs now, and you've gone through a few iterations, and you've brought all your prior knowledge plus all the knowledge that you're acquiring about design thinking and the experience of having all these amazing learners and educators you know with you you just said earlier before we started the podcast like you you're thinking about where to go next with the program and you know you tinkering with redesigns and all the rest of it so how does you know you've got educators listening to the podcast and they're thinking well, yeah, this is all very fine and good, but I mean, how do I apply this to me? How do I apply this to this program that I've got to run come September or whatever it is? So uh, give give everybody a little bit of insight into kind of, well, what's the process then? What, what How do you apply all this to the next program that you're going to run, for instance? Yeah. That's a really great question, Joe. I, I, I remember the first day we met. I'll never forget it. Uh, <laughs> this guy uh, walks in with a camera around his neck and um, I kind of, you know, I kind of look at this guy and I knew it was a nice camera. I have a little bit of interest in photography and, and um, you know, and, and he wasn't afraid to speak his mind. And, you know, anyway, look, here, here we are now and it's, it's great. But, yeah, that was a tough time. And um, I just need to preface your question so everyone understands the difference between lecturing yes. and facilitating. Right. It, right. Because it's, it's a concept I found very difficult um so you know bearing in mind uh i you know previous seven years before i joined the academy or six and a half whatever it was i was in um you know I lectured in a number of different colleges primarily in D dublin kaplan dublin business school uh where i lectured in marketing primarily consumer behavior at, at masters and undergrad level and uh then became course director for marketing for for the whole college uh, so, you know, I was very much, you know, in a traditional, if you like, you know, classroom setting, lecturing to students uh, and um, following me doing, I think this is really important. I did the diploma in entrepreneurial education, as it was called then, mm. in the Innovation Academy in June 2015. I did it for three weeks in June. Then I left and I, I implemented my actual learning project back in Dublin Business School. So it was it was after that time, it was after June 2015 and in particular December 20 you know january 2016 from that time onwards i really started to engage the concept of not not lecturing and and uh, you know and, and facilitating students and you know bringing students out into the world doing field work uh, in in learning by doing you know uh, and and that and which was unheard of like in in was it scary yeah really scary i mean i'll tell you some of the stuff i did like i mean we i taught consumer behavior so uh, at, at master's level, we used to we used to do this uh, retail uh, uh, retail study tour, you know, uh, and uh, we'd sit and I bring students to Stevens Green, mm. and we'd sit in Stevens Green and observe shoppers with uh, and Grafton Street as well in, in Dublin. Uh, observe shoppers 
with the different bags they're carrying and and try and understand uh you know people from that and and then you know we used to go around stores and we do secret study i mean it was crazy stuff looking back but but it, it worked and you know I still have, I see, I see on LinkedIn, like students way, 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 way down the line on LinkedIn and see, you know, thanks for that experience, Alan, it really worked for me and blah, blah, blah. So, so I knew at a very early stage that that kind of approach, that learning by doing experiential learning approach work, but worked. But when I came into the academy, um, you know, as you know, it's very hard to get something, to stop doing something you do automatically every day. So, you know, in DBS, I came in and I, okay, consumer behavior into the classroom, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, a lot of what I did was still sage on the stage, top of the classroom. That's right. Know. PowerPoint deck kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I tried to move away from that. So, so to a certain extent, <coughs> excuse me, to a certain extent, I did that in, 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 in the innovation academy in the early days, you know, and, uh, and that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I had to kind of take a step back myself and understand, and I suppose do my own empathy and acknowledge my own, my own, I won't call them failings, but my own barriers to uh, changing. And I had to kind of metamor metamorph my, metamorphosize to a certain extent into a facilitator. And I think when we met, I was in that metamorphic stage. Uh, <laughs> from, a, from a moth to a butterfly. In your... <laughs> yeah, and to a certain extent, you know, I mean, I still look back in that class. It was a tough class, tough yeah, class. Yeah, it wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and, uh, I, you know, funny, I had a conversation with... Uh, with uh, uh, the head of our program developments, uh, Col Dr. Colman Farrell, yesterday. And we were just talking about, like, you know, uh, the educator's audience is a tough audience. Tough audience, yeah. You know, um, because, um, you know, because they're, they're coming with expectations into the class. They're coming, and then, and then you, you bring them through an exercise of um, redesigning a telephone box. Mm. Uh, you know, people who are head of engineering, people who are, you know, principals of secondary schools, people who are head teachers in primary schools, whatever. And, um, but it's that moment, Joe, it's that moment that, that you know, that golden nugget moment that, that you do something with them and they're over the threshold and they go, oh, my God. And, you know, and I've seen these action learning projects that come out of our, uh, our, our program where these teachers, professors and so on, go back to their institutions, faculties, classrooms, whatever, and they fundamentally change what they do and reimagine uh, education. Mm -hmm. in a way that's better so i think that's the, the point and um I'm, I'm you know i look at i don't know everything i only i, I a very very clever um academic i used to work with in, in dbs he said alan you know something you have to remember this you only know that much more than whoever you're you're teaching yes. and he said if you remember that he said you'll always be on the right side of us you know mm -hmm. um if you think you know you know then you'll trip up you know, that's your that's your banana skin. Yeah. So I think it's respect and collaboration as well. Collaboration is for the, that that concept of the co-creation of learning, and mm. that's one of the things that really resonated with me in this in this as a, both as a student on the program way back when in 2015 and today as we deliver the program as we change it. So to answer your final part of your question, what am I? How am I bringing that to change, and so on? Um, I think it's a couple of things. I think. Um, fundamental game changer for me and the program was going um going online to the virtual which you did in the middle of my experience of the diploma you know yeah we had the first two modules in the shack yeah, which was nuts it was a nuts time i'll never forget it you know so you know like every educator like everyone in the world like you know march the 12th 2020 will we ever forget it like you know so the world turned upside down so we had to f that's all i say because we, yeah. we had two weeks of, of prep time but uh without that paddy's day weekend and and break it would have been it would have been even more of a nightmare yeah <clears throat> yeah so so look at yeah we did we brought it online and that gave us a lot of opportunity to, to kind of look at things differently obviously and we did and we did a lot of um, fundamental changes to the program, bringing in yeah, new aspects of learning, new speakers, new new collabor collaborators, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, people like David Price and and you know other people, uh, and and that's given a whole new kind of sense of of um, 
you know, I call it a spice. Uh, it's a bit of spice to it and a bit of an edge. Um, yeah. I, I think the next steps, Joe, are, are, are difficult. So the last couple of iterations, and I'm not, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here, like we're kind of victims of our own success. The last program we delivered just finished in June was really good. And um, I, think, I think the next stage is now is how we actually really focus and develop the virtual delivery to, um, to uh, market the program to an international audience. Mm. And I mean, the international expansion has been marked over the last year or so, hasn't it? So, you know, I, th I think education seems to be moving to this pan-border model. And you've, you know, you very successfully integrated the, the cohorts from Vietnam um into into this program and stuff um so what are the opportunities and what are the key challenges for for an educator there and you know, what's good and what's what's not so good or what's scary and not so scary about this you know yeah do you mean what's what's scary for them joe or or for the or for i mean for, for... yeah because i mean our, ed, our our audience is primarily educators yeah 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 let's, let's focus on you know how do we help the other teachers and the other educators out there if you like to engage with their cohorts with what they could do what they might do yeah i i think there's, there's two uh, it's a really great question by the way um there's two challenges um I, I think the first challenge is um is people so um so and my apologies is the system and the second challenge is the people who work in the system okay. so if you look at educational systems around the world and you know they're they're entrenched in um in red tape in you know history and we've always done it this way yes so this way we should do it i mean the, the irish leaving start is the greatest example you know mm -hmm. we're still assessing children uh the way i was assessed in uh school whatever 40 years ago yeah right? Dave. Rice does that lovely example of kind of, you know, the day he left school, he noticed that kind of, you know, no, he came back to his school that he'd left like 20 years previously or whatever. Yeah. And same wooden things that the students had made that he left school with were, sti were still there in the principal's office 20 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, and and that's, not, that's not to discount like a, a lot of, you know, schools and a lot of, you know, educational uh, uh organizations are, are changing and are delivering a new pedagogical approach i mean i think educate together is a great organization in ireland mm -hmm. i think some of the uh, you know universities in ireland are, are trying to do new things the impact of udl and you know yes. uh, active learning principles and and um you know different forms of curriculum design take taking into account uh creativity and, and innovation and, and and all those things i think the oecd and the world economic forum are adding a lot of weight to the argument at the moment mm -hmm. uh, and it was very refreshing we had an interview with dr andreas schleicher uh, director of education for the oecd uh, on june the 18th um as part of the festival of education at the academy and you know like he would be he will be regarded as quite a traditional educationalist, you know, and he, he developed the PISA scores and all that kind of thing. But, he, you know, to see his um, interview with Valerie Hannon that day, he has totally changed. It was quite amazing. Mm. And one of the things he said, he said, if you look at the teaching profession, he says, he said, it's up to the teaching profession to change the teaching profession. Yeah. He said, don't be waiting for government policy to change. Change the teaching profession, change from the grassroots, and then that will uh, inform policy, and that. So I think we have we have a we have a we have a, a you know a behemoth, if you like, of a, of organisation. I did a paper recently for a journal, and in that I I stated I can't remember now word for word, but I say just you know like, like you know COVID nineteen. Uh, sorry, um, there was I t talked about um, Clay Christensen's concept of Clay Christensen, the Harvard business right. professor innovation yeah disruptive innovation yeah thanks uh, and uh, and i said you know is covid 19 you know is it is the disruptive innovator for education and education and educational institutions i think are the old school now and, and excuse the pun uh, are the old competitors that are going to fall off and change will come from that you know mm -hmm. i think um the second problem joe is people 
Yes. So the people in, in, involved in education, so teachers, uh, uh, um, university, uh, third level, further education and training people. Uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, people in further education and training, I, I think have sometimes almost have more of an open mind to change, you know, because they see and they're dealing with maybe a different kind of student cohort. I think primary school teachers and secondary school teachers are so entrenched with, with how they, they have to teach, how they have to organize their days, how they yeah. have to organize their curriculum design and delivery, that it's very difficult to work outside that. But even thing, like, I mean, I'll take, steal your phrase, Joe, you know, plus one. Yeah. One small change, that's all they have to do is just do one small change, you know, and it'll come in uh, uh, every time. So I think those two problems are big, educational establishment and people within them. And you, one of your people that you put down as one of your educational inspirations, and, and maybe her story talks to this point, is, is Andrea um, Zafiroku. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's just unbelievable. So, uh, you know, I, like, I, I don't know her, I never met her. I've just, you know, I've just been inspired by her. So in 2018, uh, and, and, uh, Andrea uh, Zafiroku, she won the 2018 Global Teacher Prize, uh, which I think is awarded by the um, Middle Eastern uh, countries, you know, but it is recognized as a global uh, prize, you know. So, um, and Andrea works in um, Alperton Community School in Brent yeah. in, in the UK. Uh, and this area in Brent would be probably the most ethnically diverse and, you know, socially deprived uh, areas in the UK. And uh, quite a large school, uh, community school. And Andrea is an art and textile teacher. Mm. And um, she literally transformed the, the way the, the, the school operated by, in, by one teaching by teaching through creativity and innovation with her arts and and um arts and crafts and um but she also you know started to engage and um, you know engaged emotionally and em em true empathy with the students so for example you know simple things like you know so one of the problems in brent uh, they they i forget the figures joe but they have like you know there are so many different languages spoken in school because of the diverse ethnic range of, of students or pupils. So she started to learn language. She started to learn Spanish. She started to learn Hebrew. Uh, she started to learn whatever the language was, you know. And she, so she would stand at the gates in the morning and she would meet the uh, students saying, and she would say, good morning in whatever language I spoke. You're welcome. I hope you have a good day. What are you doing today? Uh, you know, and among other great stuff she's done, you know, I mean, you can read up about her. Um, so, uh, you know, she's she's so inspirational uh, by, um, and I, th I think one of the things that I was inspired for, her, you know, by her was that this, like, Un, uninterrupted passion for what she does. Yeah, she she's not uh, in uh, art and uh, textile uh, education for uh, for money and the share price. Yeah. it's not about maximizing shareholder value. You know, yeah. it's about doing what she loves. As Ken Robinson says, she has found her element. Yeah. and when you find your element, you get the you get the ability or you have the ability to bring that element in an inspirational way to other people. And that's what she's done. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was reading her story when I, when I read it in your kind of note show notes and I'd not come across her, but she is. So I, I, it'll be in the show notes. Another, another couple of names that you mentioned, um, th these were books that we should read as educators. Now I'm, I'm not, you gave me four. I'm going to put pick two of them. Flow by Mihaly, is, oh my goodness <laughs> yeah yeah that's it there yeah flow uh by mahaili chizink sank mahaili yeah so um i i came across this uh book um the other one world-class learners is the second one but t talk about flow first yeah <laughs> yeah Fl flow is uh it, it's it's an amazing book so this guy um um, Mahaili, he's a, 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 I think originally a psychologist, um, but it's all about the psychology of optimal experience. And what he talks about is, you know, when you're in a space of happiness, when you're doing something you absolutely love, yes. you, you have a passion for, you have, a, you have this flow and yeah. nothing will stop it. It's absolute. Um, it's like a river in flood, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's a, look, it's a, it's 
absolute must read. Uh, I'm actually reading it again. I just I have to prove this. I have my bookmark there. So I'm starting to read it again um, because, um, you know, it's not an easy read. It's kind of deep enough stuff in places, but I, I really recommend it. And then the other one, uh, World Class Learners. Yeah, Young Chu. Yeah. yeah, so I, I, I might just add this to... Um, because you asked me about what podcasts I listen to. I discovered this guy through the Inside Education podcast. And that was the podcast you recommend, recommended, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Inside Education is run by an Irish guy, uh, Sean Delaney. Uh, I think he's registrar in uh, Marino Institute of Education, the teacher <laughs> training college. Marino, don't we? I mean, yeah, I've, yeah. Lynch was from Marino, and various people have got connections with Marino. They're, they really have got the tentacles. Yeah. In it kind of innovative education going yeah so uh this guy um uh it was around the start around the first lockdown last year mm. and um I, I i love my cycling as you know joe and uh so i i had i have a kind of a training bike that i or you know like a, a wheel a spinning wheel you put your bike slot your bike into and so it was um winter last year and i was kind of you know, just doing a bit of training one Saturday morning on the bike, and I had the ear pods in, and I was or AirPods in, and I listened to this guy's uh, inside education interviewing nice. uh, young young Chow, and uh, and that interview is available on Inside Education. You should look for it, and um, and your, the listeners should read it. So, so this guy is a, a Chinese um, professor. He now uh, works in a. Uh, uh, in Canada, University of Canada somewhere, I don't know. But um, he, he wrote a book in, in 2006 called World Class Learners. Mm. And um, it's all about um, entrepreneurial thinking, entrepreneurial thinking in, in education, the achievement gap versus the entrepreneurship gap, and then um, how uh, this con concept of preparing employees uh, for a new world through... Um, you know, through a new education, and he and he gives lots of examples, like for example, um, uh, high tech high in California, uh, you know, Larry Rosenstock School, and and uh, and you know, he talks he talks about the concept of pursuing one's passion as well, which all, almost is like Ken Robinson's element, and to a certain extent, flow. They're all linked, you know. Wow. Okay. Well, that's brilliant. And I mean, uh, what I thought was really interesting was, you know, these are these aren't just Irish or kind of European. This is this is global, isn't it? This is all over the world. This is happening. You know? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And even today, look, I mean, to a certain extent, design thinking is a hot topic at the moment, and and the concept of entrepreneurial thinking and entrepreneurial teaching and learning is only really coming into the fore in the last couple of years. And you know, there's been a lot of talk about it and so on. People have written about it, but uh, if you look at what some of the universities across the world are doing at the moment, for example. Um, California Polytechnic, you know, I think they, their tagline is learning by doing, I think it is. And, um, you know, and then, um, you know, the, the schools like Big Picture Learning. And then, of course, you've got the new university in London called the London Interdisciplinary School. And that's a really interesting one where they're designing courses, degree courses for tomorrow, effectively. And to a certain extent, there's, there's a big focus in that organization around self-directed learning. And is this the school where there is no formal curriculum, but you basically design your own degree? Correct. I mean, UCD talked about this with Horizons a little bit, didn't they, where they yeah. pick and choose different modules and things. But I don't think we've gone down the whole hog of you can bespoke create a degree. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's 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 almost like you know I, I see the educational system in Ireland uh, as almost like a car engine, like a you know a, a finely tuned engine that that has an engine, it has you know gearing, it has wheels, uh, and to a certain extent, the um, you know the the inside carburetor of the engine is is that primary school education, and then you know it goes out to the you know you go into a new into a second that's for kind of first and second gear, and then third and fourth gears. Uh, is the is the secondary school and and then the you know the 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 the, the cruising gears are, are are those years in college but you can't change one of those you can't just change one gear they all have to do it in unison mm. and you know that i think there has a lot of been a lot of good stuff changed in, in at many levels and i mean i think what the innovation academy are doing is amazing i think what some of the um 
so some of the educate together schools are 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 doing are great at primary and secondary level um but 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 i think in 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 the main um i think a lot of people are are in a lot of organizations are entrenched and until you you can't change one to just so universities can't change the system when they have uh, when they are entrenched by the leaving cert and the cao point system yeah uh, you just how can they do it their, their hands are tied you know and until that element of, of concepts have changed and i must say i was very disappointed to hear um the minister for education talk about next year's leaving cert already no change yeah yeah it's interesting one of the things uh, and, and your plus one which kind of is going to bring us towards the end of our discussion your plus one was a word that i i've never heard of which is great because I love new, learning new words. Yeah. But it also seems, I think, to talk to this thing that quite a lot of the work that you're doing isn't just with necessarily educators. Um, and the Innovation Academy seems to be doing courses in PwC and in, in corporates and, and stuff, as well as for teachers and as well as, you know, for teachers of all levels and stuff. And your plus one, you just put one word, and the word was effectuation. Yeah. So that's a new word for me. So what's effectuation? Does it does it mean putting things into effect? Because that's what I would guess it means. And and how does that how does that tie into both the kind of corporate world and the education world? Yeah, great question, Joe. So uh, so I, I let me go back a step. So way 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 back back when I was an early stage, you know, uh, greenhorn lecturer. Mm. Uh, I was um, doing my third level um, teaching and learning diploma at, at DIT at the time. Um, and I was lecturing part-time in a college in Dublin called IBAT College, I-B-A-T, mm. private college, small private college, great, great little college. And um, so I was lecturing fourth years in entrepreneurship and final year students doing a market, doing a business degree. And uh, so I was, you know, and like a lot of lecture, like a lot of part-time lecturing jobs uh, I've had over the years, you 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 get a phone call uh, at six o'clock the day before saying, "Alan, we're stuck for a lecture for entrepreneurship tomorrow morning. Can you do it?" And of course, you're 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 going, "Okay, yeah, no problem." So of course, I spend you know that evening. I was probably wasn't just probably a couple of days, but uh, looking at stuff. And I and I just I I always remember where I was when I discovered this. I was in. Um, a, a, a small coffee shop on Dame Street in the centre of Dublin, and I discovered this lady called Saras Sarasvati, Professor Saras Sarasvati. And in two thousand and six, she wrote a book as part of a PhD, I think it was, called Effectuation. Oh, and Effectuation is a concept she devised out of um, um, uh, you know, out of entrepreneurship uh, teaching and and learning and the co taking the concepts of entrepreneurship. So the effectuation model is is based around four principles and one overriding principle. And uh, basically, you know, the four principles are the uh, bird in the hand, um, uh, uh, the lemonade principle, the the co uh, the cozy quilt principle, and um, the um, the pilot in the plane principle, control versus prediction. I've forgotten the other one, whatever it is. Anyway, but uh, but you can look it up. But the effectuation model, it's a super super model, and yeah, and it can be used. It, it, it it's a, a model that I have. Um, you know, tweaked and um, put into the educators program to solve a problem. So it's kind of like the same vein as design thinking. We use design thinking to solve a problem. Um, I've, I've used effectuation. I use effectuation model to solve a problem. Great, great model. And uh, I always remember where I, where I discovered it. Fantastic. Well, you must send me the, the her name so I can put a link to, to it in the show notes. But, uh, yep. but that's really good. And why isn't that in the diploma? Because... <laughs> <laughs> you got to put that in definitely yeah no it, it is it, it actually is joe uh, but um sometimes we don't uh, th this year we never got to do it you know and uh, yeah as a, as a thing yeah wow okay so we're coming to the end of the hour and i said we wouldn't go over the hour okay so if people have been interested in hearing about entrepreneurial education and stuff what's your call to action what 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 you know, my call to action to everybody is plus one, make one change, do something. Yeah. So so what's your call to action to somebody who, who has, this has resonated with a little bit? 
Yeah, I, I'd say in in the first instance, um, you know, l look deeply. Uh, 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 I'm presuming you're an educator, so look deeply into what you're currently doing. Yes. Look deeply into how you're currently teaching. Look deeply into how you're engaging currently with your students. Then try to understand, is that working? Mm. Are you getting the most from your students? Are you enjoying it? Are they learning? And how could you do it better? And I think uh, one of the things, uh, you know, and uh, like this is not a sales gig for, for, for the program, but I think one of the things the program does offer is it, it offers a deep way of reflecting on your own practice. And uh, if you reflect on, you know, uh, one of the things we've, even since you were on the program, Joe, we've, we've really turned up the dial on reflective practice within the, within the, the program. Mm -hmm. And um, it's such an important educational tool, reflective practice. I think you'll agree with me. Mm -hmm. And so I think, if, you know, call to action, reflect on what you're doing at the moment and say, is that, you know, are you, are you engaging in traditional teaching methods where you're talking at your students? And is that working? If so, great. But it probably isn't. So, uh, and I would say, how would you engage more in an experiential learning model? And if somebody was thinking about the Innovation Academy, I mean, I've talked to a number of people who started the program. And before the program, they're terrified. You know, I don't really know what this thing is, and it, it looks weird, and and I, you know, and but but I, my experience of it was it was the best educational experience I've ever had, and you know, and there were primary school teachers. There was Donna who teaches in prisons. Who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. There was there was a lady who runs a psychotherapy school. You know, there were professors uh, and, and teachers from all different levels of, of the, the educational system. It was an amazing experience. There were vets and doctors, and it was it was incredible. Yeah, your your class had a real eclectic mix. It was great, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think people are nervous about coming on our program because it's not traditional education. It's not no. that, you know, here's this set of slides, read this paper before you come online. It isn't that. In fact, you know, we don't do slides in the main, you know, and um, but I would say, um, you know, we're asking you to think entrepreneurially. So when you have to think entrepreneurially, you automatically are taking a risk. Yes. So I would say take that risk and jump in. I'll just quote one or two people who I spoke to recently. So and I don't mind giving their names because they so uh, Dr. Um, Linda Dowling Hetherington, uh, she's Director of Assurance of Learning at UCD. Uh, she's just finished a program with us last week. And she wrote on her LinkedIn page, um, this is the best experience of teaching and learning I've ever had in my 25 years in, um, in, 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 in education. So, you know, to hear someone as, uh, you know, uh, as not uh, incredibly important in the UCD world, as knowledgeable as she is, and it was highly respected, obviously, uh, to say that was was incredible. Um, I um, spoke to um, last week, one of the ladies from, she's from uh, further education and training background. She took the program last week. Uh, she just finished last week. But before she took the program, she was exactly the same, Joe. She was really nervous. And Mary, my colleague who does the recruitment for the program, Mary Saunders, in um, marketing and recruitment in the operations team at the academy. She said, Alan, you know, you need to speak to this girl. She's not sure. So I remember speaking to her. She didn't really know what she was doing. She was, you know, further education and training in, in, in a different sector in, in, in rural Ireland. And uh, she was so nervous. Yeah. Three weeks later, again, fundamentally has changed the way she looked, looks at what she does, you know. So uh, it's, look, at it's a step. I mean, we, you know, day one of the program, Joe, we, uh, you know, in, in the classroom, in the original class, when we used to do this in the classroom, you know, I throw, I, threw a, I throw a rope down on the floor and I ask people to step over that as a threshold mm -hmm. to start that hero's journey, you know, John Campbell's hero's journey. Uh, I use the 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 the, the um the, that that kind of uh, picture, um. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's a step. It's a step into the unknown, and it's a road. You know, the road not taken and all that. And uh, but I think the outcomes are um really interesting from the point of view of here we are speaking to each other and we're both alumni of the program, 
and uh, we wouldn't be here only for that, you know. And I think what it does create as well, Joe, if I may say so, it creates a super community of, of learners. It oh, creates, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've made so many good friends now um, from from that experience and, and not just the cohort, you know, but, but people that I've connected to via the experience of being in there and then doing new things. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's it is. No, it is great. Yeah. And yeah plus one after plus one after plus one in my life on this. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know i i think the work you're doing joe has to be recognized you know the these podcasts and i know the the, the book you're you're involved in and and uh you know obviously you're a fellow of the academy and you know i all i say is we need more joe houtens you know and and uh it's been great to get to know you obviously you know yeah well thank you so much i mean uh you know you were you were one of the first people that i put on the list um and i know we didn't get to record this a little while ago my wife broke both wrists the day we were supposed to be recording, I think. Um, so so thanks for coming on and making the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, Alan Morgan, um, the, the guy who actually put me on the road here to uh, to, to doing this. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, great, Joe. Yeah, thanks so much. And I say the journey we've both been on so far, I hope it lasts for many more years together. So thanks, Joe. Okay. okay.